This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture. I'm Dashan Johan, and with me in the studio is Juliet Jacobs. And today we're going to be talking about. Um, the closing of schools and whether they are the solution to rising COVID-19 cases. Because the rising number of COVID-19 cases reported in schools among students and staff, and staff has been worrying to say the least. So we'll be taking a look at whether this situation could have been prevented and whether preemptively closing schools across the country should be on the table. That's right. And if you have any thoughts that you'd like to share with us on this, you can always tweet us at BFM Radio or you can send us a WhatsApp message at 018 Double eight, double nine. Tell us, you know, are you feeling, uh, you know, are you a parent? Are you a student? Are you feeling afraid? Let us know. Mm. Now, COVID nineteen cases in Malaysia have been slowly but surely decreasing since the beginning of February. But barely two months later, just when we thought we were getting out, uh, getting over the third wave of COVID nineteen in the country, cases are now unfortunately climbing up again. So worryingly, there's been a lot of talk of a possible fourth wave. Now, yesterday here on the Daily Digest, we also spoke to. Professor of Medicine and Infectious Diseases from University of Malaya, Dato Prof. Dr. Adiba Kamaruzaman about it. And her take on it is that, and I quote, it's all semantic. So she emphasized that more importantly, we need to focus on how we deal with the rise in cases than how to label it. Yes, so today we're focusing on what can be done to tackle the rise in cases in schools. And I think that's something that has been getting a lot of attention in news reports and, of course, in WhatsApp groups, um, you know, as parents, caregivers and teachers grow increasingly concerned over the safety of children. And there have been no confirmed numbers that are reported. But on Friday, Chinese newspaper Sinchu Daily had cited the National Union of Heads of Schools President, Li Bi Kim, who mm. released a statement that at least 146 primary schools and 40 secondary schools have recorded positive COVID-19 cases since all physical lessons resumed on March the 1st. Yes, but open any news portal and you'll easily find articles reporting on cases in various schools across the country. Almost every other day, we'll hear of another case in a school, of students and teachers having to get tested and to quarantine themselves. Um, I mean, in Sarawak, where cases have been spiking, it's reported that more than 400 students in Miri have tested positive for COVID-19. Now, whether you're seeing reports of one student or a number that's in the hundreds cumulatively, I think they are equally worrying to parents, right? One case is already one too many. Oh, definitely. Mm. And um, if we look back at how um, on how our education system has been affected since the initial MCO in March last year, schools have been closed for a significant part of it. Teachers, students and parents alike all had to learn how to conduct classes online. And after the second round of nationwide closure of schools um, at the end of last year, they've only just begun to reopen in stages since the 1st of March, with all 5 million students physically back in classrooms on the 5th of April, and that's barely a month ago. Yes, and now we are seeing a number of schools temporarily closing again. Some have only shut temporarily for a day or two for sanitization and uh, for sanitation and disinfection to be carried out, while others have been ordered to shut completely for a longer period. Now, in Sarawak, for example, all schools in COVID-19 red zones have been ordered to close for two weeks beginning today. Now, Chief Minister Dato Patinggi Ab- Abang Johari Tun Openg said that this was necessary to protect the 
health of both students and local communities as they continue to see a rise in infections in schools. Yeah. However, over here in Peninsula Malaysia, Education Minister Dr. Radzi Jidin previously said that the Ministry of Education will not hastily make the decision to close schools. So the, the decision will be left to the District Health Office, who will conduct a risk assessment and advise the schools accordingly. And schools will only be temporarily closed if a large number of teachers have to be quarantined, thus affecting the ability of the school to operate, right? Mm -hmm. But several schools have been temporarily shut. Just yesterday, 19 schools in Selangor were ordered to close for disinfection work and screening to be carried out with no announcement on the reopening of those schools yet. Yes, it's understandable that the Ministry of Education does not want to force a blanket closure of schools. Now, school-going children have had their education disrupted for the better part of a year and to continuously deal with the closing and opening of schools is going to significantly affect not just their education but their emotional and mental well-being as well. But not everyone is on the same page about whether to close or open schools. Some parents are more cautious and worried, calling for schools to be temporarily shut and classes uh, moved online once again. Um, and one example would be the case of SMK Kota Kamuning in Shah Alam, where the school was asked um, was not asked to close after six cases were were detected. But parents have been calling for the for classes to move online completely. Yeah, and several policymakers have also weighed in. You know, in response to the current situation. Banda Kuching MP Dr. Kelvin Yi wrote that schools in red and orange zones should be closed for at least two weeks and classes moved online. However, former Deputy Health Minister and Goping MP Dr. Lee Bun Chai has a contrasting view. So he told Free Malaysia today that colour coding COVID 19 zones is no longer sufficient or useful. This is because these zones cover a wide area and closing all schools in a red zone would be uh, you know, impractical. Instead, he suggested that physical classes should be reduced and classes held in a hybrid of physical and online lessons. And uh, Date Nur Azima Abdul Rahim, who is the president of the Parent Action Group for Education, also disagreed that all schools in red zones should be closed. So she adds, parents should exercise discretion and decide if they want to send their children to school if there is a high risk of infection in a school or area. Yes, and along those lines, former Deputy Education Minister and Kulai MP Tio Ni Ching also released a statement calling for greater transparency in reports about COVID-19 cases in schools as she says that many schools have been reported uh, cases on their own, she emphasised that parents and teachers need to be equipped to make their own informed decisions. Yes, and we also received a message from a parent uh, who wanted to share his concerns over the rise in COVID-19 cases in school. So have a listen here. As a parent with kids going to school, I find it worrying that, that the COVID cases are increasing every day within the schools. I don't think the schools are able to handle it properly without shutting it down. The school can always reassure us that they are protecting the kids, they are cleaning the school, they're spraying the rooms, but there's only so far you can, you can go because this virus spreads when, when, when you are with within a room for many hours, it's easy for the kids to, to, to be infected. For me, if, we, if there are cases in, in, in the school, the school should just close it down for two weeks or three weeks 
I don't know un, uh, until they find that the cases are slowing down. And we also received another message from Sue over WhatsApp. And uh, Sue says, with the increase in cases in schools and the increase in asymptomatic cases, temperature scans are no longer effective. You know, if children are indeed being inf- uh, infected by parents, mm. schools should request for parents to have active declaration of health status prior to sending kids to school. Yes, and we also have Mike who wrote, worried, of course, but there is little we can do, to be honest. The school may be able to enforce SOPs, but what happens? Once the kids leave the school, uh, is completely out of their hands. The case in my daughter's school was from a tuition centre. It shouldn't be just up to the school, uh, just up to schools to make sure the kids are safe. Um, the parents really need to do their part as well. Yes, and Wong also messaged in to say the pandemic has been around for more than a year. What SOP has the government put in place to ensure swift reaction to cases being reported, uh, clear communication with parents, and shifting to online lessons with minimal disruptions? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's obvious, it's clear that a lot of parents are worried, understandably. So, um, Julia, are you in the same boat? Do you relate, <laughs> relate to any of these parents? I completely do. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, on the one hand, I kept my daughter back from school when her kindergarten reopened, right, okay. at the start of the year, because I was terrified. Mm. Um, but, you know, she was getting increasingly bored and she was missing out on classes. And I've just put her in another school now, which is slightly smaller. Um, but still, the worry is there. You know, I just have to trust the teacher and trust all the parents and all of us involved that we're taking all the necessary precautions. But it's scary. It's really, really scary. You don't know what they're doing. You know, you can't kind of like wash your hands, you know, yeah. do all that. And and you don't know where everyone has been, right? Yeah, it's. I can only imagine the kind of, you know, the, like what goes through parents' mind all the <laughs> time, right? Because I, I think at this point, um, maybe like on a personal level, y'all might want to, you know, protect the kids, keep them at home. But at the same time, I mean, even if we, you know, as adults, we miss our friends, you yeah. know, we, 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 you know, we long to go out. I can only imagine what it's like at home, you know, keeping kids scooped up. It could just, they are like this big ball of energy. So. It, it, it was bad. <laughs> I mean, like uh, my daughter fell sick, you know, it was just mm. a regular cold, thankfully, but... You know, I kept her home for a week and a half, almost two weeks, because I didn't want, you know, I was so worried, right? I didn't put her for testing, mm. but I just wanted to make sure she was completely clear before I sent her back to school. And, you know, it was it was agony for her not being able mm. to go to school. I mean, obviously, she's only in preschool, but it's hard for them, you know, yeah. to understand. And this constant closure, opening, closure, opening, that really is going to affect them. Even at that, that young age, I can't imagine the older ones. Yeah, well, so, um, you know, parents, uh, <laughs> I can only imagine what you guys are going through. Yeah, so struggle after the other. <laughs> well, on that note, we do need to go for a very quick break. When we come back, we'll be speaking to consultant pediatrician Dato Dr. Musa Momanordin to get his insights on if closing schools is the solution to rising COVID-19 cases. We'll be back on The Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to The Daily Digest. On The Bigger Picture, I'm Darshan Johan and with me in the studio is Juliet Jacobs. Today, we're talking, uh, taking a look at uh, the rise in COVID-19 cases reported in schools across the country and also what can be done uh, to, stem, to, to, to stem the rise of these cases, right? Some people of the view that schools should be closed in red zones as, the, as a precautionary measure, while others are less keen on the idea as kids have had their education disrupted for much of the past year. Mm-hmm. So joining us on the line now to share his thoughts on this is consultant pediatrician Dr. Musa. Mohammed Nordin. Dr. Musa, thank you for joining us. Let's take a few steps back. What is causing these spikes in cases and outbreaks of COVID-19 in schools? You know, was this somewhat expected considering that we do have a high number of cases in the community? Yeah, thank you very much. 
The world is in the middle of a global educational emergency. One billion children are out of school because of this COVID crisis. And 400 million have lost access to free school meals. And Malaysia is no exception. For those living in abusive households, school was a safe haven. Reopening school and keeping them open is one of our greatest challenges today. We must remember that schools are an integral entity in the community. If the community infection is suppressed, cases among teachers and pupils will also remain low. But if community cases jump quickly and the community transmission is high, it quickly spills over into the schools and it becomes difficult to keep the schools open. And studies have shown that there is a close correlation between the number of school outbreaks and the incidence of COVID in the, in, 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 in the community. So to prevent COVID from spreading to school, it is vital to stop the transmission of the virus within the community. We have not yet exited, exited from the third wave. <laughs> Don't even think of the fourth wave. Yeah. So because of the spread of the cases in the community, you see this reflected in the schools. Dr. Musa, what concerns have you heard from parents about the emergence of COVID-19 cases in schools? All the time. Dr. Musa, my, my child is behaving so strangely. I think he misses his friends. Another says, my child is not getting enough learning. Some of the teachers are not even conducting proper online classes. Many just send WhatsApp questions and don't even give any feedback to the answers from my children. My child is getting very temperamental. My teenager is getting extremely moody because he's being quarantined at home. And then and I say, and another says, and this is quite frequent, Dr. Musa, we don't have enough laptops as I have three kids in three different standards. And then my child's performance has deteriorated and some says, I cannot quite trust the Ministry of Education anymore with the information that they share with us. This is really worrying when there is a trust deficit of the, of the highest educational authorities in the country. Okay, so it seems like the concerns are more about children not being in schools rather than outbreaks in schools. And you mentioned that there is a trust deficit among parents um, and there has been calls for greater transparency in reporting COVID-19 cases in schools. What information should schools or the Ministry of Health be communicating to parents if a positive case is detected? Uh, I think to begin with, the schools should help to stem the spread of uh, COVID by adopting a few mitigation measures. Number one, of course, uh, good hand hygiene, good SOPs, yeah, with the teachers being exemplary. <clears throat> and then outdoor learning, because we know that the risk of transmission is 18 times less when you are outdoors. And it is fun learning outdoors with the children, right? You must make sure that the classrooms are well ventilated. Open all your windows, yeah? Um, 
you stagger the start and end times of the school. A, another important concept is this class bubbles. So you make sure that the, the children uh, do not mix with other classes, do not mix with other age groups. And then when, when the children enter or leave school, make sure that they maintain the social distancing and parents must be exemplary. The problem is that parents are the ones that are exhibiting bad examples. Now, teachers should be cautious. They shouldn't be huddling in the staff room because we know and studies have shown that teachers, a two-third of viral transmission in schools are due to spread between teachers to teachers and teachers to, to the children. So, um, the, 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 there should be a clear line of instruction from the schools to the parents should there be a positive, uh, a, a positive case in the school. Yeah? There should be clear, detailed, stepwise written instruction which should be provided to the parents on what to do if their children are exposed to a case. Yeah? And what exactly needs to be done? And usually, if it's within a classroom, then the entire classroom is, is, is quarantined or isolated, and the parents are instructed to bring the child in contact with the index case for rapid antigen testing. It's very important because you can get a result within an hour, and then you can confirm that the child is infected or not. Because RTK antigen is rapid, and it tells whether this child is infectious or not. Okay, so that's why it's very useful uh, that this be the first line of, of surveillance, and and should it be confirmed, then I think that that class needs to switch onto online teaching. Okay, and often there is a lot of confusion on the parent side, right? They're not always sure what to do if there's a case in their kid's school. So let's look at what parents should do in certain scenarios. So in a class bubble, right, if a kid in that class tests positive, should all the children in that bubble get tested or only those who would be classified as, you know, close contacts? No, in my opinion, then that class bubble, that cohort of students needs to be tested. You know, this is what we call select but mass testing of the class, right? So, you know, so, so you, you know exactly those who are infected and those who are spared of the illness. And if you are infected, of course, then you are referred to the Pusat Kesihatan Daerah, all right? And uh, uh, you quarantine for that at least uh, uh, 10 days, yeah? Uh, and it is only that class that is... Uh, that is uh, Exempted from school, the others continue class teaching, face-to-face. Dr. Musa, what about quarantine? Should kids who have tested negative still fulfil the 10-day quarantine? And what about their other family members? Oh, if, if the kid is, 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 is negative for that class, yes, he should be quarantined for 10 days and you should go on with online, online teaching. And... And the family should not be should not be affected because that child is is negative, which is most likely the case. Yeah, but if the the contact is also positive, then of course the family and the other siblings in the family ought to be tested again with uh, with uh, the RTK antigen rapid testing. 
And there's also been anecdotal reports of kids getting infected in their transporters, right? Uh, so these would be the cars, vans and buses that take the kids to school. How concerned should parents be about this and what can be done to reduce such cases? I think I need to emphasize this concept of class bubbles, yeah, i.e. the group of children in class are restricted and do not meet children of other classes or other age group. This is extremely important. This is a very smart way of making sure that you will be able to isolate should any one index patient or, or index uh, child be involved, then we know who exactly are his close contacts, right? So in that way, we can isolate that bubble, right? Without impacting on the other children in the school. I think that's very important. And then this SOP should also not be in the class, but when they exit from the class, out of the school gate and into their buses. So they continue with their masks or with their face shields, right? So it's a behavioral change. And it's a behavioral change does not come easy. We know we fail with our healthy lifestyle we, because we were not able to make behavioral modification to how we conduct our life yeah, in terms of our smoking, in terms of our exercise, in terms of our uh, 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 stress source in life. That's why we fail with a healthy lifestyle. Same thing with COVID. These are new norms. And this is something that we need to, uh, we as adults need to embrace so that we become exemplary to our, to our children. But unfortunately, every time I, I lalu the, the, the school, I can see the parents are the ones that are a failure to their children. How do you expect the child to, to embrace such good behavior? Hmm. Now, I'd also like to touch on our tendency to focus, almost obsess over the need to sanitize and disinfect places after a COVID-19 case was detected. On a previous show, Prof. Adiba Kamrulzaman had said that mass disinfection practices aren't always necessary, but it becomes a form of, and I quote, hygiene theatre to show something is being done. What's your take on this? Do you find that parents are more um, reassured if mass disinfection is carried out in schools? Firstly, preemptive closure of school should be the last resort. All right. So if you undertake social bubbles, class bubble, then you can identify and isolate the affected cohort. The school otherwise continues. All right. And this obsession with disinfection of, uh, of schools I think is a waste of money and a waste of time. There has not been one reported case of COVID being infected from a surface. Yeah. So, and this has been proven umpteen times. So I tend to agree with Prof. Adiba. Uh, It's just uh, reassuring the parents. I think most important is hand hygiene. Yeah. Cough etiquette. Yeah. And this needs to to be emphasized unto the parents. And it's very important to remember that if a school shows X number of cases, then only that school needs to be closed. In that mukim or in that village, the other schools continue. So you don't close the state, you don't close the country just because of that. Yeah. 
Yep. And I think I can already kind of tell what your answer to this is going to be. But in Sarawak, they've made the decision to close all schools in red zones, right? Is that a good move or should the closure of schools be more specific and targeted? Yeah, they have to be intelligent, you know. To start with, if they practice social bubble, class bubbles, then they would be able to isolate the affected uh, 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 children uh, within within the affected index case, yeah, and not to affect the entire school, yeah. Yeah. And how are children coping with the current situation? I imagine this is taking quite a toll on them emotionally and psychologically, even if they've gotten used to the hybrid of online and physical classes. Oh, most certainly. I mean, okay, number one, uh, they may not suffer from severe COVID or death when compared to adults. And this is a blessing, yeah? Because in my opinion, it's because when they at the young age, they actually have met this four endemic coronavirus, right? Because seven, is it? But this four endemic are mild. They cause the flu. They cause the bronchiolitis. It gives them the antibodies. And these are, in my opinion, cross-protective against COVID virus, okay? But it may have impact on other aspects of their, of their life. For example, prior to covid 400,000 households in Malaysia were below the poverty line. That translates to about 1 million children. So with COVID, you're going to get another 1 million children right? uh, below the poverty line. And UNICEF reports that 37% of our suburban inner cities can't even put enough food on the table. Yeah, And 70% have difficult meeting basic life expenses. Now, the impact is on the children, right? And we've seen 8% of our children are stunted. 10% attend school without breakfast. So, school meals was the only meal that they have had, a decent meal, yeah? And 70% actually have irregular meals. So, I think there must be a social security net, right? To protect these children, yeah? Food security for these children. Secondly, there is definitely a regression in their learning abilities. The MOE survey showed that 30%, sorry, 40% do not have a digital digital device. Yeah? Only 15% had a laptop and half of them relied on on, on smartphones. So we we must break this digital divide and make sure that the poorest among us have access to internet and and digital devices. And then rise in domestic violence, child abuse. To some children, the schools are the only respite for them. And undoubtedly, this prolonged and fearful pandemic will have an impact on the mental health of the children. Some may be even OCD, obsessive compulsive disorders, or phobia, fear syndromes, and even PTSD. So there are many issues that 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 we we, we even we, we we fear that is not unfolded itself. But we hope that with with the right actions taken by the Ministry of Health, by by the citizens to ensure that our our cases are low, then hopefully we'll prevent the spillover into our into our schools.
Okay, all right. And so to prevent further spillover, right, besides enforcing class bubbles, what measures can be taken by the Ministry of Health right now? Because we can't keep closing and reopening schools, right? Number one, the Ministry of Health needs to get its FTTIS in order. Find, test, trace, isolate, support. I think this is still not yet optimum. That's why we are seeing seeing the cases rising, right? This is the basics of, of, of public health. Number two, we must make sure that digital helps is at its best to ensure that we get artificial intelligence tracing of contacts, yeah? And so that we know which are the hotspots and which we can detect the sporadic cases to prevent the formation of clusters. And thirdly, we must make sure we vaccinate as many as is possible. Because children under 18 make up about what? 29%. So we have 70% adults to vaccinate and 65% of them only are keen on, on a vaccine. So we really have to, to warp speed our vaccination and scale up the coverage of our vaccination. So... Unless we get this done, then I think we are at the mercy of the coronavirus. All right. And on that note of vaccinations, there have been, an, uh, there have been increasing calls for COVID-19 vaccinations to be uh, sped up for teachers. What are your thoughts on this? Right. I think it would be a great idea if all teachers are actually screened with, uh, with a COVID test prior to actually entering the schools the reopening of schools, that's number one. And number two, I think they should be amongst the first in the queue to be vaccinated with the COVID vaccine, right? Uh, To ensure that they are protected and they do not transmit the virus to the children in the school, amongst themselves and to the children in the school. Okay. And before we let you go, Dr. Musa, would you have a final message to parents and teachers? I think, uh, I hope uh, teachers and parents uh, are exemplary to our children so that they have models that they can embrace and follow. And I think uh, it's not just good enough to, 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 to tell them to do X, Y, Z. It's important for you to exhibit these examples to them, right? And I think um, parents should, should liaise closely with schools to ensure that the SOPs in schools are actually being practiced, part of the parent-teacher association, yeah? to work with the teachers to make sure that they assist the teachers to make sure that the, the, the uh, ambience in the school is protective to the children, right? So we support each other in this matter. And, and it's important that school continues, right? It's challenging to keep the schools open, but together, I believe, teachers, parents, and the, the Ministry of Education and the Ministry of Health, yeah, making sure that the community is safe because if the community is safe, then there is less risk of transmission into the schools. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Musa. That was consultant pediatrician, Dr. Dr. Musa Muhammad Nordin, uh, who was sharing his thoughts on the current COVID-19 situation and how it's affecting kids and schools. And, uh, you know, some of the points that Dr. Musa raised uh, includes, you know, that there shouldn't be a blanket closure of schools, even in red zones. Instead, there should be stricter enforcement of class bubbles where, uh, you know, children are not mixing with other classes. So if there is a positive case in one class, 
only that class and the teachers are quarantined while everyone else can continue classes as usual. That's right. And I think it's also great that Dr. Musa brought up the need for outdoor classes. On on one hand, there's better ventilation, which reduces the spread of COVID-19. But it's also just in general, a good change of environment for the kids and better it's better learning environment as well. So yeah, yeah you know, more creative ideas, not so much just blanket, open or close. Yeah, I remember in class, I mean, back in school, every time there was something outdoors getting mm-hmm. us out of class, that would be the most exciting time, yes. right? And I think kids have been so, true so much. They just need, yeah, they need to just change things up a bit here and there. That's right. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's show. If you'd like to get in touch with uh, the Bigger Picture crew, you can look us up on Facebook. Uh, we are BFM The Bigger Picture. You can drop us a message there. If you missed any part of today's show, you can download the podcast on bfm.my forward slash the daily uh, forward slash daily digest. You can also find us on the BFM app coming up at 3pm on Live and Learn. I'll be sticking around to have a chat with Siti Aisha Tumin from KRI and is uh, Iskandar Farish from Refsa and we are going to be talking about the high unemployment rate and low wages among fresh graduates in Malaysia you know and we're going to be discussing is it just because of COVID-19 or are there larger systemic problems that uh, needs looking into so you can find that out on Live and Learn after the 3pm news later once again I'm Dashran Johan with Julia Jacobs and this has been The Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture BFM 89.9 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9 The Business Station